1: Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 1st. It's six minutes after 10. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and we're glad you're joining us this morning. So yesterday, Devin Archer, friend, actually ex-friend and former business partner of Hunter Biden, he testified in a closed-door session that then Vice President Joe Biden joined calls by speakerphone at least 20 times while Hunter met with different business partners and he alleged that Joe Biden was put on the phone to, quote, sell the brand. The interesting part about all of this is the wildly different coverage of his testimony in the media. Some outlets just completely ignored it. Democrats were framing the interactions as just benign pleasantries. They said not a shred of evidence or a single conflict of interest was ever revealed. And they said that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of access to his father. Just the illusion of access
2: the amazing thing about this and you are listening to this radio station so you clearly desire to be an informed educated well-versed person in the political world is you are seeing a lie in real time be manipulated into another lie in real time And these people, and these people being the people in the Biden administration, the Democrat party, and look, the Republicans do it on their own side, but we're talking about the Democrats right now, care so little for you and have so little regard for the truth that they're willing to just do it. I mean, these politicians are incredible con men, like they could could pocket a colossal amount of money. If they did this, these sort of cons in the business world, now they do pocket a colossal amount of money. They just do it through the the U.S. tax code and writing the laws so that they can do things like insider trading that you can't do. But what you have seen over the past, and it has been rapid, is within the past seven days, a years-long narrative, which was Joe Biden never had any contact with Hunter Biden about his business dealings. And it wasn't just Joe Biden who said it. It was the uh, press secretaries who said it. It was the spokespeople who said it. It was the talking heads on national television who said it time after time after time for years now, five plus years, the narrative was Joe Biden has had no contact with Hunter Biden about his business dealings. And within seven days, It has just magically morphed into Joe Biden was not in business with his son because they have blown the narrative, the lie that Joe Biden had no contact with his son about his business dealings out of the water. And once it has been disproved, they don't do the right thing and go, you know what? We were wrong. You know what? Joe Biden has clearly misled us. You know what? Joe Biden absolutely has to answer for this. They just changed the lie. They just changed the lie with no acknowledgement whatsoever that they have lied to you for the past five years. Or
1: not comment at all. And it's interesting that you said press secretaries plural and that just shows you how long this has been going on. So an attorney for Devin Archer said he's not going to comment on the specifics about what his client told the committee. And they put out a statement that said we are aware that all sides are claiming victory following Mr. Archer's voluntary interview today. He shared the truth with the committee and will We'll leave it to them and others to decide what to do with how,
2: it. How could the Democrats possibly claim victory out of this unless you are admitting we have zero regard for the truth or our politicians or the head and the face of our party telling the truth? Because if your standard is, well, Archer wasn't a smoking gun that Biden was definitively getting paid and he doesn't have receipts, okay. I guess maybe I'll give you that. We don't know exactly what was said, but based on the reports, maybe that wasn't proven from his testimony. But what was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, and no one is refuting it or saying it isn't true, is that Joe Biden had 20-plus conversations in the presence of Archer, right? We're talking about in the presence of this guy, not... Think about what he did when the guy wasn't around. In the presence of one individual, Joe Biden had 20 plus conversations with Hunter Biden business associates on speakerphone with Hunter Biden there.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get the transcript. Hopefully, eventually, they'll release that. But if he lied about this, what else is Joe Biden lying about? But you know those Democrats, they got their marching orders. They have the talking points. And Representative Daniel Goldman, this guy, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Here he is, and he's confirming the Devin Archer's testimony that Joe Biden was on the phone with Hunter's business associates, which they've previously denied. And here's the question. Who who calls up their father into 20 different business phone calls for absolutely no reason?
2: Do you, do you know how many times uh, my dad, because I've owned businesses over the years, do you know how many times my dad has been on a phone call with business related stuff for me, Casey.
1: Zero, one, two? 20, 50.
2: It is not 20. That is, that is correct. Okay. Now. I am also not standing in front of you and saying I've never discussed business with my dad. You know what I did all the time when I owned my business businesses. Mm-hmm. I discussed business with my dad because that's what you do as a parent, Casey. Mm-hmm. You ask your children how their lives are going, how's your business, how's your job. That is not some It is a normal thing if you're involved in your kid's life to know how they're how they're earning a living.
1: It would be really weird to say get my mom on the phone and all these randos are on the other line with her and we're talking and she's asking about the weather the very next day she would be like what was that all about (laughs) If she didn't know what it was about.
2: Yes, why did you do this to me?
1: Yeah, like, what? why did you put me on that call? What's, what's going on? Did you need something? Of course Hunter Biden needed something. He needed to prove that he could get Joe Biden on the phone. And that's exactly what he did. Here at Daniel Goldman, he admits that Joe did coordinate with Hunter's Business Associates.
0: Doesn't contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden Business Associates? Clearly, he talked, whether it's not the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them.
2: Doesn't this contradict me I don't know what his comment is. And if we're going to. Well, I don't I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, well, is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. The son is at dinner with. And that is literally all the evidence is. this this like a party trick that Hunter Biden used to impress the people he was with? with- Okay, but the problem is, if that were the case, then why for five years did Joe Biden say, I've never had a single conversation with my son about his business dealings? Why wouldn't it have been, yes, of course I've talked with my son about his business dealings. In fact, I've talked to some of the people that he's done business with. Some of them were very pleasant. And while I've had no, uh, I have not, you know, in any way made a profit off that, I have taken an interest in my son's life, and I'm very proud of all of his business accomplishments. Mm-hmm. That's not what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden and and this ding-dong is admitting has lied to the entire country for mm-hmm. years and years and years and years mm-hmm. and years. And he doesn't care at all. This Goldman does not care at all that the president of the United States lied about something so easily disprovable. He
1: just confirmed, yep, they were on the phone together. And now they're talking it up to, oh, they just talked about the weather. And you know, Joe Biden, he has good manners. What is he gonna do? Not talk to the business associates? Oh yeah, Joe Biden has such good manners. He would never ignore anybody. Insert Navy <laughs> Biden here, who he completely ignored. But the former FBI assistant director, this guy's name is uh, Chris Swecker. He said that Joe Biden's involvement with Hunter's and business deals was textbook bribery. He calls it a slam dunk
3: case. I mean, this this is what we call, in the, as head of the criminal division, we saw this quite a bit in the bribery cases. It's called stream of services. You sell access or something of value and you get something back in return, but it's not an express quid pro quo, it's just an understanding. But if you can match up the services in, you know, within a reasonable period of time uh, with, with the, the thing of benefit, in this case, $10 million or whatever it is, then you then you have bribery. You don't you have to have that express quid pro quo. And they were selling mm-hmm. access. All you had to do, they, they do the big setup and then they put Joe Biden on the phone and just this just shows that they have access. Here he is. He's on the phone. I just told you, you know, we can, we can do things
0: for you. And there he is.
1: That's the point of access when he gets them on the phone. Yep, I'm proving it to you. So the, we've got these bank records. We have suspicious activity reports. Oh, wire transfers. There's bank transactions. There's LLCs. There's texts. There's emails. There's WhatsApp messages. There's photos on uh, Hunter's, you know, laptop from hell. How much more
2: evidence do they need? Move. Do something. All right, Casey. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got a I've got a big announcement about tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. We're going to have something incredibly important on tomorrow's show that I want to tell everybody about. And random, confused, likely accidental act of questioning out of control government. The Indie Star mm-hmm. had a big article about these dumbass mayors in noblesville and fishers spending huge taxpayer money for minor league sports teams i was blown away that indy star did a deep dive on this but it's pretty darn good and i'd like to talk about it when we come back
1: welcome to the party bal it's kendall and casey on
0: 93 wibc Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: 20 minutes after 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC. And you had tweeted out a few days ago, That we're going to have the lawyers on the show tomorrow involving that uh, Brownsburg case, the student who was forced to eat his own vomit. So we have an update coming up on that.
2: Yes. So tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, and... uh brownsburg schools going back tomorrow so we thought since brownsburg schools are going back tomorrow uh, everybody who is taking their kid back to brownsburg schools tomorrow should know exactly what sort of hell hole they're potentially sending their kid into because we are going to have the attorneys for the special needs student who is forced to eat vomit uh there is some big developments in that case And I have told you, Casey, without getting into it here, because we want everybody to tune in tomorrow, Uh, Catherine, uh, Catherine Michael, one of the very fabulous attorneys will be with us. Both of them, in fact, will be with us. Uh, You have, I've told you what the information that we're, they're going to provide tomorrow. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. It's going to, it's, it's shocking.
2: It's unbelievable. The callousness, the cold hearted behavior of the people who run a public or these people are allowed to run a public school system is unbelievable. And we're going to have it all for you tomorrow on this show. And you people need to wake up because these sorts of things, not this specific thing, but this stuff, these types of things, this type of behavior, this sort of response to incidences is happening all over central Indiana. The Indiana General Assembly, through the never-ending magical money printing factory, where they throw money at the public education system without any restrictions or accountability whatsoever in many cases, has enabled this to happen, this sort of stuff. These public school administrators and school boards fear nothing. They laugh at you. They think you're a joke. And when you couple that with, in many cases, what horrific, awful people they actually are, the information we are going to give you tomorrow is going to blow people away. So make sure tomorrow, in honor of the number one school system in the state, Brownsburg schools, of course, 37% of the kids are still failing. And well, when I was in school, Casey, well, gosh darn it, that was a D if you Mm -hmm. got a 63. But hey, we're number one. So in honor of school starting tomorrow in Brownsburg, we're going to have the uh, the attorneys on and the information they're going to give you is just unbelievable
1: it is 23 minutes after 10 you're listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc so indy star put out this article and it it it, surprising huh (laughs) fishers and noblesville gamble on arenas in a crowded local concert market
2: all right so um i gotta give indy star some credit here and this is like this is a Proof that when Indie Star wants to do some actual journalisming, they do a pretty good job with it. They, you know, they broke the Larry Nasser story years ago, and there's times where it happens, and it's like, why don't you just do this all the time? Why don't you get the politics out of it and just do stuff like this? And a lot more people would actually read the paper. It is a very well written article, a very fair article, taking a look at places like Noblesville and Fisher's. Mm-hmm that are spending huge amounts of taxpayer money in order to attract not even professional like NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball teams, but minor league sports teams. And we had the mayor of Noblesville, Chris Jensen, on this show. And to his credit, he came on and answered the questions. I think the guy is insane. And I think he's going to totally screw his taxpayers on this. But he was all gun ho about it. He told me, he sat right, you know, right in the studio next to us, and said, "Oh, this is going to be great. We're gonna. It's going to be great for the community." And blah blah blah. And I think this is this is such an abuse of taxpayer money to build these bright shiny objects for organizations that, in the case of like the Mad Ants, which Noblesville is attracting, is a franchise run by very, very wealthy individuals who don't need the money of poor and middle-class people. But whether it's the Colts or whether it's the Pacers or whether it's now the Indy 11 or whether it's the Mad Ants or in the case of Fishers and their terrible doofus mayor, Scott Fadness over there, building a stadium for the Indy Fuel, we continue to see money extracted from regular people and that money then given to facilitate with no guarantees whatsoever. And as Indy start... You know, spells out in this article, it is a gargantuan risk Mm -hmm. for these professional minor league professional sports teams.
1: Well, the big problem is that the cities are going to have to find enough acts to draw enough crowds large enough to keep these arenas in the black. And they're going up against a lot of competition. There's already several stadiums and amphitheaters and concert halls and arenas in the area. So, what's going to make people go to these venues instead and can they fill the calendar with enough things to make people go to these new buildings
2: but even if they can casey entertainment is not the job of the government the job of entertainment is entertainment in the entertainment industry and that's what professional sports is if the mad ants can make a bunch of money in noblesville then the people who own the Mad Ants are pretty good at business. They've made a lot of money in their lives. Why wouldn't they do it themselves? They don't do it themselves because they can't, and they recognize these stupid suckers like the mayor of Noblesville who wants to see his name on a plaque, and that's what this is about. We have rewarded for so long politicians based on bright, shiny objects. What's the thing that I can get my name on a plaque on? and so instead of doing the things well that cities governments are supposed to do roads bridges sidewalks public utility if you have one we get obsessed with doing all of the things that don't the government isn't supposed to do because that's how they believe they will be judged. And the next step up, the next rung on the ladder, the next article written about you is the bright shiny object, rather than the actual nuts and bolts of the government.
1: Okay, so Fisher has imposed a citywide one percent food and beverage tax to pay down the debt, right? And these cities—they're saying they're going to recoup their construction cost based on rent from the teams. <laughs> Parking and concession (laughs) revenue, a ticket surcharge, naming rights, Uh and also corporate suite payments. But they're going to have to compete with Ruoff and Nickel Plate Amphitheater and the Center of the Performing Arts and, oh, Game Bridge and TCU Amphitheater White River and the Coliseum and the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Oh, and that big stadium down the road, Lucas Oil.
2: But they don't care. And I am experiencing this real time in the community in which I live, where they have now decided that they are going to build a swimming pool, despite not producing a business plan to the community, despite not taking any community input on this current plan. And Casey, the uh, very high IQ people, definitely men's and members in training that run the town where I live, they've decided they're going to put it next to the town's sewage plant. So, Hey come swim and enjoy the smell and you know what the response when people inside their own department inside the town all brought this up to him it's not going to smell that bad and they have admitted and this is what you're seeing whether it's the the city of noblesville with the mad ants thing or fishers with the uh with the hockey stadium or any or westfield with grand park it used to be you could get them on the narrative that you can't I can't tell you how many times I've stopped a swimming pool in Brownsburg, Casey. And you always used to be able to get them on, you can't produce a business plan by which it makes money. Mm -hmm. And they'd go, yep, you're right. Got us again. But we want a pool. But now what they've switched, it's just like the Biden people switching the narrative from, I've never talked about business with my son Hunter to, I've never been in business with my son Hunter. Now, just magically overnight, the narrative switched to, yeah, you know what? You got us. It's going to lose money. We're never going to get the $18 million back. But you know what? We just don't care. So beat that, mm-hmm. a-hole. Mm-hmm.
1: They're saying that only five to ten events a year are going to be concerts. The rest are going to be divided into family entertainment, sports, community events. And they cite things like ice capades, pro wrestling, Cirque du Soleil, graduation, <laughs> high school basketball, corporate gatherings, oh. keynote speakers.
2: Because there's no other place already to have those. I'm pretty, sure the when the, I'm pretty sure when the pro wrestling comes here, Casey, mm-hmm. they go to Gainbridge. Yes, they do. There's all, Lucas Oil. There's already all of this stuff. There's already things that taxpayers are already paying for, a lot of money for, to have all of this stuff. It's about competition. It's not about the community. It's about bright, shiny ob- objects. You know who is about the community, though? Kurt Darling. Kurt Darling, and he is next with the news.
1: It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
2: It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails, brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN.
3: I'm so sorry you have just
1: reached my answering machine. 317-684-8444. It is time to hear from you. Your voicemails, questions, comments, smart remarks. We turn the program over to you with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
2: Okay, so yesterday we had that guy on, we played his voicemail, who lost his mind over the fact that we had made a statement about Indianapolis and various other cities across this nation being burned to the ground in 2020. Now, burned to the ground is a figure of speech, whatever, should we have said smashed to the ground or parts of the city were burned to the ground or parts of the city were burned while others were smashed? I mean, I don't know what phraseology he was looking for, but I'm pretty sure the average person understood that we were saying that across this country, major metropolitan cities were smashed, graffitied, destroyed, people were murdered, things were burned. We were kind of encompassing everything into that phraseology. Uh, I didn't know he was looking for a detailed description, but he was very, very angry that we used the phrase "burned to the ground. I
1: can't believe you're arguing over semantics at I this mean, point.
2: And again, as we talked about, as someone who was driving downtown, not only as a person who escaped the riots minutes before the riots started the first night, Friday night, but as a person who then drove downtown Sunday after the two nights of the summer of love here in this city, it was worse Than when I watched my businesses be in a city pummeled by a hurricane.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: It was some dystopian, very spooky, eerie existence to be down here to watch glass and bricks and boards and in the street and people somberly trying to put the pieces back together. And yes, there were fires and everything else as a part of that. Uh, but that guy was very upset that we had the audacity. You can still see it on Monument Circle, Casey.
1: Yes, there's still spray paint yes. on the
2: monument. You can see, If you look hard enough, they've mm-hmm. tried many times to cover it up. Yeah, But uh, yes, you can still see if you look hard enough. Uh, anyway, somebody who worked for the city during 2020 called us and wanted to set the record straight on what exactly happened.
4: I wanted to tell you that I was a foreman down at the Belmont... For the city, I was over heavy equipment such as the plow trucks and the garbage trucks, and I remember that, and it was burnt down to the ground because um, they brought in how many dump trucks that they beat up, put on fire, smashed the windows out. Yeah, I don't know where that guy was and what he's talking about, but it was awful to see that a city that I was raised in felt safe to go down to, not anymore after that. There was probably a dozen dump trucks that came in, and what that do, he wanted to fix them and send them back down there the next weekend. And we had to go through that for about a month. So, yes, Kendall, Miss Casey, I agree with you guys totally. It was the summer of love, and there was nothing that anybody could do except for the mayor or the governor. And where were they? Scared out of their wits, afraid to come out of their homes, that were safely secure because, you know, they're elected officials that being an elected officials means that they have to get out and do something about it they didn't even call nothing in they did nothing no warnings came over the radio or the tv to stay out downtown i don't know where that guy was <laughs> clearly on a different planet but yeah it was it was so gut-wrenching to see these stuff coming back into the garage
2: so she lying too hmm Are we in cahoots with I've never met that woman. Am I in cahoots with her about what happened during 2020 in in downtown Indianapolis? Is that some big made-up thing?
1: Some big conspiracy there.
2: No, of course not. No, of course not. And it blows my mind that there are people that are so wed to their radical leftism and wokeism and whatever other ism you want to put in there that they will defend and attempt to object to The obvious, which is this city was destroyed over two nights in 2020 and nobody knows where the mayor was. No one knows where Joe Hogsett was the first night of those riots. Now, we know where he was because we know he let it happen the second night of the riots. He said, "Do drop in. Why don't you people stay a while? Mm. But the first night, nobody knows where he was. And wow, Casey, it would be so cool if we had a super rich guy running for mayor on the Republican side who had infinite money to be able to repeatedly run ads, questioning and telling everyone where Joe Hogsett was. That guy might actually have a chance to get elected. But no, we Mm. have some mealy mouth wimp who is whining to television stations about ads Joe Hogsett is running against him because he's being too mean.
1: <laughs> We've told him exactly what he should do, run ads that say, where was Joe Hogsett? Yes. Where was he? But you know what? Those, uh, those nights were not exclusive to Indianapolis because at that time, I was living in South Bend where well, my daughter and the dude were in South Bend and I was in Tallahassee and I had to come back to uh, South Bend for her high school graduation, you know, that was conducted From our family room over YouTube because there actually there wasn't a graduation where she walked across the stage because, you know, COVID, we couldn't be near anybody. But uh, that weekend I was driving across the country and I had to drive through Indianapolis, Louisville, Nashville, Birmingham, Montgomery, all of the cities. Same thing. And as a woman traveling by herself across the country during that weekend, it was kind of scary to go through all those major cities that we're all in upheaval.
2: All right. Um, our friend called back. This is a guy who we have used him on this show many times. Uh, and by friend, I mean, I think he just hates every single one of us. <laughs> and he seems to change his mind a yeah, lot. Yeah, we keep giving him airtime. Um, well, because it's hilarious <laughs> that people are this, just this upset about a radio show or this, you know, whatever, opinionated, I, I don't know. Um, but remember the initial phone call was that, I talk to you too much. Mm -hmm. This guy's initial phone call was. Right. And I think we actually use part of that in a liner that you hear on this show now.
1: Yeah, he referred to me as a young man, and yeah, he wasn't, he's wasn't sure what my role on
2: the show was. That's right, yeah. he's totally stole Kev's humanity. He doesn't even acknowledge Kevin by name. <laughs> Kev is just that young man. And then you, I talked to you too much, and he said he wished that it was the way it was when I had the old award-winning Rob Kendall show. Right. Sundays on WIBC. Sure. Well, now mm-hmm. he's done a complete 180.
3: Okay. Yeah, the message is, Bob, I wish you would quit making the show all about you and the things you care about. Let Casey talk for a while and let her talk about things that maybe interest
1: her. (laughs) So which is it? Does he want
2: you solo? I I tried to do what he said, and now he's mad that I tried to do what he uh said.
3: Well, so what happened was Casey really laid down the law, and she called him out, and Mm -hmm. she went after him, and ever since then, he's— been totally in your camp well yeah.
2: you know to you go back in the time machine on this time slot there's a genre for that yeah i mean there's <laughs> yeah. some men that are really into that some men are into that yeah mm-hmm. absolutely
1: no um I, I think it's fine for a woman to stand her ground be comfortable in her own skin sure. be firm understanding and confident absolutely there's nothing wrong with that and and let me just add by the way yesterday My daughter was here and you had asked her a question. We put her on the air and she started answering. Yeah. And I don't want to say you went to interrupt her. You went to interject, but she kept on going. And I could not have been more proud of my daughter than in that moment right there because (laughs) she had a point to make. Yeah. And she was going to make it.
2: It was just like at my house. I couldn't get a point in edgewise. Uh, I was uh, just uh, rudely interrupted. And yes, it was just like being at home. It was wonderful.
1: So what what does our friend want? Does he want more of you, or does he want more of me? Because last time he wanted more of you, now he wants more of me. You know what he's going to call next time What's and that? say he wants more of Kevin.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I that... don't even think he knows that I'm a human being. <laughs> <laughs> he Kevin, care.
1: Kevin's role on the show, by the way, dude who changes his mind, is he is our excellent producer. Yes, yes. we could uh, not do the show without
2: him. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Hammers next. It's
0: Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC.
1: It is 1048. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio. So you had a little movie uh, night at your place last night, huh?
3: So with the passing of Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee-wee Herman, mm-hmm. it had dawned on me that I don't think either one of my kids have seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yes. So my kids, again, I have an 18-year-old and I have a 15-year-old. Yeah. So we sat them down last night, had dinner, and made them watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They'd never seen it before. Never seen it before. Never had seen it before. My oldest chuckled a few times, thought some stuff was kind of amusing. My youngest one was bored to tears and was on his phone the entire
2: time. <laughs> Jacob well, hated it. Well, Jake is a soulless person, void of any <laughs> happiness at all times. So. You're an arch enemy, yes, and my youngest. That's son. right.
3: Uh, so maybe the whole Pee-wee thing is kind of a generational thing where we came from, because I was entertained the
2: entire way. I think. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's a you know a cult classic for lack of a better term. Uh, yes. I And by the way, can I just say, and we were, I was having this conversation with my wife yesterday, and I think it just went over her head. Underrated Paul Rubin's moment is he is one of the waiters in the Blues Brothers. Yes. Yes. Absolutely,
3: he I, is. I liked him in Blow.
2: Yeah, when he was in, in he, Blow. Yeah. yeah, when he goes to, uh, they go to see Mr. Fabulous, and Paul Rubens is uh, one of the. Uh, he's not the guy who says wrong glass, sir. That's the best scene of the whole, uh, <laughs> best part of the whole uh, uh, diner scene. But uh, he had
3: some odd other roles, right? He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. He was the Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. I mean, he right. sure
2: was wasn't he, yeah. uh,
3: Mr. Cobblepot?
2: You know who he really reminds me of, and it kind of different, but yet the same. Very much like when Andy Kaufman did Foreign Man, where people loved that one thing. It's like this guy comes out of nowhere. He does latka in the case of Andy Kaufman. Oh, my gosh, you should just do latke everywhere you go. Kind of the same thing with Paul Rubens. Obviously, Paul Rubens was derailed by the little incident in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. But this guy kind of, from a national scene, comes out of nowhere. And you think, well, he is... He is Pee Wee Herman and the realize, No, it's just a dude playing playing that's kinda of wacky. I'm always fascinated character. when
1: you have a comedic actor like that play a serious role. Right. Yeah. Because you'd think, you know what? It probably takes more acting chops. To be comedic than dramatic.
3: People who have came up with characters, it's hard for them to transition. Mm -hmm. Pee-wee did those roles pretty good. I say Mm -hmm. Pee-wee. His name was Paul. Paul did those roles really well. Could you see Dan Whitney, (laughs) a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, transitioning from that character to do something serious?
2: And and it's like every time—and I think Jim Carrey struggled with this—every time he would do a serious movie— you would want to laugh the whole time because mm-hmm. you're, you're, it is in Adam Sandler's kind of the same way. I'm, this is supposed to be funny. I'm supposed to laugh at you're this. You're waiting
3: for Jim Carrey to talk out of
1: his back, yeah, backside. It, yeah, absolutely. You know who did a fabulous job at that was Robin Williams. Yes,
3: every Robin time, Williams did. Every time
1: he had the beard, he was more serious. Yeah. And you knew the movie would be boring,
3: too. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can love goodwill hunting all you want, but anytime you see Robin Williams with a beard, yeah. bring a pillow and a blanket. Yeah, all right.
2: So you were inside of watching the, the uh, Pee Wee Herman movie. You, it sparked another uh, thought in your very fertile mind.
3: So the iconic scene, I think, in the Pee Wee movie is him dancing on the bar to the song Tequila, the <laughs> classic song from the Champs, which was a hit long before that movie. But I think if you grew up in our era, when you hear Tequila, the first thing you think of is Pee Wee Herman mm-hmm. dancing, doing that dance on the bar. Yeah. So where does that dance scene rank in terms of all-time great dance scenes in movies Mm. is it on the mount rushmore is it top five and here's the criteria and we had to break this down last night in our house (laughs) non-musical division yeah right so this eliminates like elvis presley and gene kelly and fred astaire if they're singing in the movie that's a musical we're talking about dancing scenes in a movie this was my list okay? okay Number one, I've got Travolta and Saturday Night Fever. Oh. The suit, you know, the you yeah. know the iconic white yep. disco dancing. All right, that's my number one. That's a good one. Uh, number two, I'm looking at the end of Footloose, Kevin Bacon. Oh,
4: let's dance! Right. Like yeah. some of those
3: songs, you hear the song, you associate the movie. Number three, Rob brought this up during the break, the Animal House Toga Party yeah. dance scene. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Love that scene. And number four... I think it's not necessarily my favorite, but I think if you're doing a family feud style survey, yeah. the big grand finale of Dirty Dancing, yeah. yeah, you know, where Baby runs across the room and Swayze <laughs> picks her up, yeah. swings her around. <laughs> yep. So
2: so that was going to be my question. If you pick Dirty Dancing, because there's kind of two, there's the end, but then isn't the big one, because Hungry Eyes was the kind of the big, well, there were multiple hits that came out of the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, mm-hmm. but uh, Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen mm-hmm. was kind of the, of all the big songs the biggest and that was during the practice right. scenes yeah, right exactly right. so that so you that, that got to two, two. yeah two in the same movie yeah. you got to you got to pick but yes for for sake of this argument I, I would agree with you
3: also very close to my list these were the ones I had to leave in the cutting room floor. Pee-wee and tequila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we go back to Travolta with Pulp Fiction with Uma Thurman. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Good one. <laughs> Is Pulp Fiction not the most overrated movie in Thank the history you. of ever? Thank you.
3: Thank you. I disagree. It's, I disagree. I'm not a Tarantino guy at all. I think his movies are awful. Well, I'm I'm in the minority, and I know that.
2: So we were having this conversation the other day. Um Tarantino's movies are either phenomenal or they're awful because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is great. The Kill Bills are great. Inglorious Bastards is probably my favorite movie ever, but the rest of them suck. They're just terrible. The
4: dialogue is
1: what makes those movies great. (laughs) Now, I would say that a lot of people might put the, because I'm sure neither of you have seen it, the Barbie, there's dance scenes in the new Barbie movie. Yeah, I've not
3: seen that one. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling. He does a lot of dance moves. But does it even belong in the same conversation as the ones that we've just laid out there? Okay,
1: if you're saying historical, I completely agree with you on Dirty Dancing. That's probably number one for me.
3: Um, I would have
1: put Singing in the Rain on there, but you got to knock that one out. Uh, Same with um, I'm 16 going on 17 from Sound of Music because you'd probably consider that a musical. But that's a musical, right? Yeah, a musical. And honestly,
3: and this goes against something I think Rob might bring up, Blues Brothers counts as a musical. Yes. So you have to eliminate right. you know, the Blues Brothers. Well, I've
1: got one for your list that you haven't mentioned, and that's when Napoleon Dynamite dances to yes. Jamiro
3: Koi. That's a good one, too.
1: A uh,
2: great one. Also, Kev pointed out in Big, where he's playing the piano. Oh, that yes. is phenomenal. Chopsticks on the piano. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's and a good and one. Very I, nice. Big was one of my favorite movies growing up, so I am sentimental to... Uh, to big. Uh, where do we rank Pee Wee Herman in terms of cultural icons of the 80s? He's got to be up there, doesn't he?
3: I think he's in the top 10. Yeah. Like, I think when I think of the 80s, uh, you start with some of the pop superstars. It goes like Michael Jackson, Madonna, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Cyndi Lauper. But then you get into your Mr. T's. Oh. Um, and You, Hol- you got to have the Hulkster
2: on Hulk there. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, Remember Radio Shack did that commercial years ago where they had all the '80s. We're bringing back the '80s, and they had all those '80s characters like Alf was in there. And man, that was an awesome <laughs> commercial.
3: I miss Radio Shack.
2: I do, man. It used to be a great place. You know, if you needed a quarter inch uh, mono adapter, it was always comforting to you know at eight o'clock you had somewhere to go in your community right, to find and there that.
3: There was never anybody in the store, which is. <laughs> Probably why
2: they're no longer around.
3: But you could always take your time and find exactly what you were looking for.
2: Yeah, what's coming up this afternoon?
3: Uh, Big Nige is out. I know it's a what? shocking development. Right. Nigel not at work today? So Tony Surprise. Kennett's going to fill in nice. for Big Nigel.
1: Very good. All right, thank you, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.